Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guest today is photographer and curator on MLA, and we have a wonderful conversation about her new book, which translates to Ristel Gardens, and I will spare you me trying to pronounce the French title. Uh, it is a series of poetic portraits of family and landscape within a community garden that Anne tended to with her family for a period of 15 years. We also talk about Anne's doctoral work, which analyzes spatial installation of photography and the medium of the exhibition itself. So it's not just how a show might be curated on the wall, but the whole experience of entering a space and looking at the work, including the way a space sounds as you move through it. So Restyle Gardens is available on the Charcoal Book Club website. And of course, this show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, which is a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts working with the most respected names in contemporary photography, like on Imale. Uh, Charcoal selects and delivers essential photo books to a worldwide community of collectors. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. So check them out at charcoalbookclub.com. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Hi, Ann. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. And uh, we should give a shout out to Nigel, who uh, helped set this recording up. Nigel, is it, is it Baldacino? Baldacino. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that, but yes. Oh, so, so Ann, why don't we uh, just start by giving us a little bit of background on how you got into all of this and you know, your educational experiences, your other experiences that sort of inform the work that you do. Okay. I started practicing photography when I was 12. I had my mm. own reflex camera, a Nikon FM2. Oh, yeah. And, and I quickly learned how to develop analog films and how to make prints uh, in the dark room. Wow, that, that's pretty young. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I was mostly shooting portraits and stage photographs in uh, urban places. And uh, I was a huge book reader and uh, huge consumer of images. Um, movies, magazine cover, fashion photography, vinyl cover, and painting. <laughs> You know, you said you started at 12. Yes, yes. In the darkroom as well? Yes, yes. Wow. Um, I was, uh, um, I joined a photo club as the youngest student there. And uh, it was only men talking about techniques and making, uh, I should say, quite boring works. <laughs> but I learned the technical basis there. And, and so the interest starts pretty early on. Does that continue in your education? Yes, yes. So previously, my parents, who weren't involved in the arts, mm. um, my parents were very much taken up by their works. They, and my father was an engineer and my mother's secretary. And to keep me occupied after school, they would me to make, uh, to practice sports. So I tried judo, gymnastics, tennis, without much motivation. And then they enrolled me uh, to art courses for teenagers. Oh, okay. It was in an old manor in Colmar, my native city. And there I began to draw, to paint, and I was introduced to different techniques but not photography, 
And that's why I joined a photo club. Uh, and that's the moment I began to develop analog films by myself. That's amazing. And so my fascination for with laying out, sequencing photo, forming constellation, first came while doing two years uh, of film studies in Nantes. And that was followed by three years at the National School of Photography in Arles. And these three years I spent there were very intense, very rich. The discussions, the ideas we share among students um, was very exciting and collaborative. And I continued with a master in visual arts uh, at the Laval University in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And there I got to work on my master thesis about photo sequences. And, and the, this was the, um, the spatial installation Yes, yes, studies, right? uh, yes. When I got back in France, I started working in a photo gallery. I spent five years working with photographers about displaying their works. And at the same time, I was also studying and writing about that, that process. And mm-hmm. it would turn out to be my long PhD research. The when you were studying in in Quebec, was that considered masters a master's program? Yes, yes, it was a MFA in fine arts. Okay, so it wasn't just photography. You were you were studying the, exactly. the visual arts exactly, and the idea of installation. And I imagine the idea of installation uh, in a in a program like this has a lot to do with a kind of idea of how people might uh, experience something, right? It has to do with the experience and how that affects the meaning in the imagery or vice versa, how the meaning in the imagery should affect the experience of the viewer, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, that's um, the moment where I also questioning myself about what a special installation is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for me, installing photographs in the space is about creating an exhibition. And the exhibition in itself could be considering as a medium. And uh, thinking about how to install photographs in the space, thinking about photography materiality, about its format, its place in a given space uh, with a specific light, colors, specific acoustics. It is also thinking about connection between images and the way that the space can express them. That's Um, really interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about acoustics in a visual medium. Yes, it's very important, I think, uh, when you are in an exhibition space, uh, the acoustic is part of the perception you had. So for me, installing photography, it's not just something you have to look with your eyes. It is also something you have to feel with your entire body. And the acoustic is part of the process. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you think about not only sound, but silence as well? Of course, silence is really important because um, my photo practice, photo process is based on the presence, how we feel the presence of things in relationship with the wheel. And silent 
uh, the, mute, the mutic dimension of things, the way things are lay, state of things, or the way the things are staying somewhere, laying, has a quality of silence, and that's important in my process. You know, when you think about having a show at a gallery and, and, and when even gallerists set up their spaces, I, I do wonder how much they do think about that idea of sound and, and also how much control you might have. Have you been involved in actually installing a show where you affected the sound quality of the room or the space? Oh, yes. It is a case in Mulhouse, so the city where I live and where I co-create a photo biennial called mm. BPM, Mulhouse Photo Biennial. Uh, we have several exhibition space and one place is a fine art museum where Matthew Genitempo uh, was exhibited and the room have a special floor which make a lot of noise. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so uh, when you are presenting the photography in this particular space, you can't move because mm. if you move, you have a lot of sound. It, it makes like... Um, an echo or... Yes, like an echo. And of course, the sound affected... Uh, the quality of your gaze and how you feel and uh, your reception of photography in an exhibition space. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in my own work in the idea of what is known as threshold. Threshold is that space in between spaces. It's after you leave, but before you enter another space. Mm. And I know ar in architecture, the threshold is designed to affect your behavior and your experience of maybe entering a place or leaving a place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in the most basic sense, it's to kind of control behavior a little bit and keep everyone moving in an orderly fashion. But in a, an expanded idea, it's a, a space where you're not where you were and you're not where you're going. And it's that, that in-between idea, right? Mm. And the in-between is really uh, something I work about uh, during, mm. my, um, math, uh, during my uh, PhD research because oh, okay. uh, my PhD research was about the links between the photographs and I analyzed the evolution from an unique photography towards photo sequences and photo constellation. Oh, wow. And I define a photo constellation as a moving and rhythmic form, always moving like in Wolfgang Tillmann's um, configurations. Hmm. And for me, this, this type of arrangements allow from an um, omnidirectional reading and connection and these connections are acting by collision, attraction, or contamination. So oh, I the, love space, it. the space <laughs> between the interval, the connection could be something very silent or could be something who is acting by collision, attraction, or contamination. And um, for my PhD research, I based that on by analysis of contemporary exhibition yes <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible the idea of the constellation is really interesting 
uh, because it's it's both moving and holds a certain shape. Uh, exactly. Right? So Indefinitely. it was a way not to be in the line, not to be in a grid, but to be more scattered in the space mm -hmm. and to be always in something which is in movement. And but you can even have that uh, in sequence, sequence and in uh, something which is in line. What interests me is the fact that with a photography, you have something which could be still. You have a stillness, but at the same time, by the association, by the connection, it is always in movement. And mm -hmm. somehow you can never conclude or, um, because it is unfinished somehow. Right. You know, you mentioned that you did this installation at the, the Mulhouse Photo Biennial, the BPM. Is that, that what it's called? Yes, yes. Yes. And what is that? Okay, so the, the BPM, uh, so it's this photo festival which I co-created in 2013 in Mulhouse. Mulhouse is a town where I live. Okay. And it's uh, near the border. <laughs> Boy, now I regret my pronunciation of that. <laughs> Mulhouse. So it's a French town near um, Basel in Swiss and near Germany. Mm -hmm. So it's the uh, east of France. Oh, and okay. <laughs> the program presents European and international photographers around a different theme uh, for each edition. And mm. our latest edition in 2022 was called Celestial Bodies. Okay. And it was about our fascination with the cosmos the stars and the imagination with is going with. And in my curatorial work for the BPM, I'm inviting photographers and curators, and we are organizing around 15 exhibitions. The photographers um, I invited, for me, what is important is that they are questioning themselves about the photographic uh, medium about its relation with the contemporary world. And as I told you previously, the direct photography of the wheel is important for me and it's an important part of the programmation. But uh, regarding to the photo history and the place of photography inside the world of images, uh, I'm also interesting by programming post-photographer and artworks uh, works created in regards with existing images. This is why I invited uh, iconographic artists like Penelope Umbrico, you might know. Mm -hmm. sure. um, and Penelope Umbrico uh, came last year in Mulhouse and she created a new collaborative work called Moon Gazer. And it was based on photographs made by uh, people living near Mulhouse. So there's a real collaborative effort. Yes, it was for, for this work. It's uh, just an example among a lot of uh, right. exhibition and project. But uh, but in my in general, in my curatorial work, I have been looking at connecting photographs to transcribe our relationship 
not just to the real world, but also to the world of images. Was your work in the biennial as well, or was it uh, just curatorial? Uh, just curatorial. Uh, I absolutely not exhibit myself. Uh, ah, I like that philosophy. Yes. No, absolutely not for me. Yes. So um, all my activities are based or linked with the photography, but I never mixed my curatorial work and the fact to my personal project. I, uh, I ran a gallery here in New Jersey for six years, and I also didn't, I never included my own work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think, I think that helps with uh, keeping your, your uh, intentions clear. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and just one, one last thing to follow up on this, the spatial installation idea and including audio and sound when when people are sort of traveling through a show traveling through a gallery and a space how just how involved are you with the idea of audio and space meaning is it a kind of more ambient quality or are you doing more sort of direct intervention of audio no, most of the time there is no intervention, no audio hmm. intervention, but we done an audio intervention for the exhibition at Valletta Contemporary last mm -hmm. year. So it was for a project called Those Eyes, These Eyes, They Fade. And for this exhibition, in one of the space, uh, um, one of the photographers, Nigel Baldacino, changed the quality of the sound in the space with mm. by using a white noise. Okay, white yeah. Noise. So, so in general, it, it really more is this sort of um, experience where you might even you might not even realize that something is being done, right? Exactly. It's more exactly. That's great. Yeah, that's it's a really it's an just a, an, in, an interesting concept. I haven't given that much thought before and it's really interesting and you know so of course we're here to talk about your book Ristal Gardens and I'll let you pronounce it correctly <laughs> okay Ristal Gardens Les Jardins du Ristal in French you know it's it's a beautiful beautiful book there's a, oh, a real sense of of intimacy both in the the portraits of people and the portraits of the the garden itself, the landscapes as well. Mm. It's in black and white. I know you started in the darkroom at a very early age. Has it always been black and white for you? Uh, quite of the, all the time. I have a, um, an affinity with the black and white. I can process it by myself. So right. I like to be part of all the step of what. Um, photography practice is so the shooting then developing the film now I am scanning and mm -hmm. then when the photographs are chosen I go back to the dark room and print them for an exhibition for example which is the case oh, okay. the Wistal Garden exhibition in Paris at the moment I went in the dark room to print myself all the pictures, but all these um, steps uh, are very important. For me, having a photo process, it's not just the sh shooting moment, it's also the editing, then the fact to choose a format. The question of the materiality of 
photography is really important. So how size will you en enlarge it? Sure. Uh, which kind of paper? Is it uh, a warm tone or not? Is mm. it glossy or not? Such, um, such question. And then, of course, uh, the work in the uh, exhibition space is different than making a photo book. But in both cases, you are creating sequences, um, group of photography. And so for me, it's a, always a long process. It's not just the shooting moment. It's right. all the process, which uh, is uh, meaningful. And I want to talk about you know the influence of your background and the and the layout of this book and and the decisions that were made. But uh, you know what brought you to this to this garden? What kind? It's a community garden, right? Yes, yes. I wanted to have a garden to spend time there with my family, my children, and gardening, like photographing, permits me to inhabit a world that is suspended, a world outside mm. the daily wash. So my photography practice is about how we experience the feeling of time uh, in our everyday life. And I find that the garden is perfect for that because it is framed by different temporalities. Uh, for me, taking care of a garden means different engaging with the time, with different rhythm, um, sewing, watching the growing cycles, managing a compost, all these actions create a strong relationship with the living world. The sequences, the photo sequences I like, plants are in constant transformation. Mm. And as a photographer, I am particularly affected by the fleetingness of life. And the garden is a perfect place to watch that and to assist uh, to, to see the cycle of life and death. For the book, I selected photographs related with poetic notions like suspension of time, evanescence. And in the photo book, I also try to alternate between a snapshot and a timeless um, photography. And as in my other work, I try to propose a whole perceptive experience to the viewer, not just looking at photographs, but also feel them. And uh, of course, the photo book is a medium in itself. And for example, the, the paper is important, the way you have the book in your hand, where do you read it? Uh, you can have a, an intimacy with the picture where, mm -hmm. while looking at, while reading a photo book. It's not the same in the photo gallery because in a gallery, um, someone told me was in my exhibition in Paris and told me I was a little bit. Ah, I have the French name in my intimidated or uh, yes, intimidated because. Mm -hmm. uh, the gallerist was there, spoken with someone. And yes. so he was feeling a little bit like a stranger in the, the gallery. And he told me, Anne, I'm sorry, I don't spend a lot of time in your <laughs> show because I was intimidated. But yes. I have the photo book and I look a long time. Uh, I, I spend a long time with the photo book in the train. I think it's really interesting to 
to to this both experience of sequencing photographs both experiences are very different and uh, the intimacy could sometimes be stronger with the photo book absolutely uh, i know when i'm going through a show i'm i'm always very aware that there's someone maybe behind me who wants to get to the image i'm looking at or mm. you know there there have been get i think this is less so the case now but i remember maybe earlier in the early 2000s there were galleries where you felt like you didn't belong. <laughs> you felt like, you know, you were in a, a world of different people and it wasn't for you, you know. And Exactly. Uh, I, I remember yes. was, uh, I had this feeling too, for example, in Art Basel, the big mm, art mm, fair. Sure. I, I think a lot of people uh, had this feeling that... Um, uh, what is really interesting is that how uh, the institutions, the museum places or the gallery are somehow cut from the real world. Mm -hmm. And so it's an effort to go in it. And then, right. of course, for people who are used to go in gallery, it becomes an habit and you're not so shy going inside a gallery, but... It's still a space disconnected from the West. So you can be more focused on what you are seeing. Of course, it is also a very ritualized space. Yes. And it could be like a sort of cathedral, something a little bit religious. Mm -hmm. but and, and also it, <laughs> religious, exactly. Like... It's it, it's kind of echoey, right? It's usually a lot of concrete and and white wall and exactly, uh, exactly. And you you're just so aware of your own footsteps as you're walking through and your exactly, own breath. And, exactly. Yes. I, no. No. It is. There's this this kind of piety, this religious, you know, sort of um, solemnity that you're supposed to feel as you're walking exactly, through, right? <laughs> exactly. That's why um, uh, during my PhD. My interest for the constellation uh, was also to uh, go uh, somewhere else and not to be focused on the very modernist idea of the art gallery, but mm. to, to go somewhere else and to have pictures scattered everywhere, not just in line. Even if in my own practice, it's quite my way of uh, sequencing my photography is quite classical, but mm -hmm. each time I am exhibiting, I am playing with a different different sort of arrangement, and so it's part of somehow it's like a game. But it's also the fact that you can uh, an exhibition is, is something ephemeral, so mm -hmm. you can do something else for each exhibition. And each time it's something else. And as, that's why I like taking risk for an exhibition. And the book, it's something else because you will have it for a long time. So you, it's another kind of involvement. And you also have a lot of pressure on your right. shoulder. What, you, if you put out a show, you get a month maybe. And mm -hmm. then... Anything you regret doing is gone. If you put out a book, it's exactly. there forever. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever you do. Well, let's talk about the book and that sequence mm -hmm. and that layout. 
we can come back to talking more about the idea of community garden, but it is in some ways a traditional book, as you were saying, right? The way the pages each each have one image. Uh, there, are, there are two varying sizes that go back and forth. And then there is text, but the text isn't at the very beginning and the text isn't at the very end. And so I'd like to, that's, why don't you talk about that a little bit and the influence of, of the way yes, you install so- I have uh, plenty of things to say about <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> the layout and the text. So at first I made a, an handmade photo book and I wanted to have only one photo per double page. And for me, the fact to turn the page is creating a fluid sequence. It's also permit to appreciate the stillness of each picture. And for the artist book, I made leaflet for, from 16 pages. And as it was handmade, the seams were visible on the middle page of each oh, right. leaflet. And for me, it was like an evidence, a, f- a form of um, elegant simplicity to have a bigger format of uh, on each leaflet uh, middle page. And uh, so I keep that for the published edition. And having... Only one picture per spread allows the reader to be focused on a particular photograph. And it is a fact to turn the pages, which is producing the sequence and the movement. And that's one of the big difference between a photo book and exhibition. Because in the exhibition, you'll see all the picture, mm-hmm. all the sequence in one time. In the photo book, you have the memory of the picture you saw previously, and you can turn in a different order. There is different way to, to go through the images. And if you have two pictures in a spread, it means that you are creating a diptych, strong mm-hmm. connection between two images. And I made that in my previous photo books, but not for Crystal Garden, um, but uh, about the text, yes. So it's not at the very end of the book. It is a decision we had with Annelise Broyer, who is uh, the graphic designer of the book. Mm. And Annelise Broyer, she's also, she's a French photographer. She has her own photo book publishing house. And uh, she proposed me not to put the Jean-Christophe Bailly text at the very end in order to continue um, to be a little bit more in the garden. So we have the feeling that it will finish, but slowly, very, very slowly, like a sort of never ending. It's a melancholic tone somehow. Yeah. And it's about impression. You mentioned turning the page. You have the memory of the image, but you're not looking at the image, right? Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. I often refer to that as a kind of retinal burn. Like it's still, it's still in your, your eyes a little bit, but as, but as a memory, not, not directly in front of you. Exactly. And, and then having that text near the end, but not at the end, it's in some way saying, hey, you're, you're, kinda, you're coming to the end of this story a little bit. You're coming to the end of this. Here's a moment to to reflect, and you're reading this text, and your re- your reflections are now mixing with the reflections from this text, right? The idea of this place that you got from the photos is now combining with the idea of this place in the text. And I imagine 
for me, it was very similar. So it was, you know, it wasn't like a jarring text. It wasn't like taking me away. It wasn't taking me out of what was what I was experiencing. It was adding to what I was experiencing, mm. putting into more beautiful words and I could put in my own mind, right? Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. And then there's a slow leaving the book with more photos. Exactly that. You pointed. You perhaps uh, notice that in the book, I also like to photograph the same motif. So photographing this plot during a long period make me coming back to the same place again and mm. again. And of course, each moment was singular. Um, there were several subjects interconnected, but uh, it's a way to come back and to photographing the same trees, the the same uh, chair, etc. Mm -hmm. So I like uh, like some painter like Paul Cézanne who went several times to paint uh, the mountain Saint Victoire uh, mm -hmm. or to to paint what is in your everyday life. I like to come back on the same motif, and the series is about allotment gardens, but. It's um, mostly a lyrical portrait of this right. place. And it is very strongly related with the time of childhood. And the childhood time, the summertime in the, in the trees, in the grass. I wanted to... Um, the smell of the grass or the smell of the end of the day during the summertime was element I was wanting to share. Uh, with photography. <laughs> right. No, it makes sense that you mentioned Cezanne because it does follow some of those those ideas about the Impressionist way or post-Impressionist way of sharing an atmosphere of a place, right? Exactly. This, this, the in light. French, in French, yeah. rendre l'impressionnisme durable makes the feeling durable. Uh, so right. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And then in the book, your photos have a somewhat tight frame most of the time where you're, you're coming in on the children you're photographing or the plants and the flowers. Often they're very centered in the photo, maybe a little off on to one side or the other. Uh, there's a, a, you know, a great use of, of light and shallow depth of field. And these are all square format, right? This is all is yes, medium am, format square. Yes, um, I loved using uh, the square formats. I'm using two cameras, a Rolleiflex and uh, an Hasselblad. Oh, interesting. But what is important for me is that with this kind of camera, you are looking from up mm -hmm. to the through the camera. So the camera is not between you and the world. So you can receive the world. You are not taking something, you are receiving. Hmm. And um, so for me, the medium for my camera, uh, like Rolleiflex or Hasselblad, permits to uh, receiving things. And um, I think it is, um, I'm feeling very comfortable using this kind of camera because you can also as a photographer be discreet mm -hmm. it's um, a very humble way to be in the world it's a way to be part of a place 
uh, to be part of the world, world, it's a way to inhabit the world as a photographer with your camera. And I, I really don't like uh, the aggressive way to make a photograph. That's why even if I were, al I was alone in my garden doing picture of plants, <laughs> it was with a Rolleiflex. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really true with the Hasselblad and the Rolleiflex and the the cameras where you're looking down in, into a screen. It is a, a very different body language that you have when you're photographing with these cameras. It is uh, not aggressive, right? It is your body language becomes much more contained in a way, like you're staying within yourself mm -hmm. while you're photographing. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, and, and it elicits different responses, right? Exactly. You are simultaneously... Mm -hmm. Simultaneously. ...in the world and outside the world. Because right. you look down, you see your picture. So this picture is both a recording and both a representation. So mm -hmm. you see what you will record and you see its representation and... You, if you look up, uh, if you turn your, your gaze in front of you, you see the real world. So right. in both, you are in the wheel and you are in the representation you have in your mind. Um, so it's a very complex process. And I think that with a reflex camera, when you are looking in the viewfinder, You are totally in the representation world. You yes. are cut from the world. Uh, it's not a judgment. It's um, because it could be very helpful to be concentrated and totally focused on what you are viewing. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's different. And yeah, you're, there's that camera becomes very much uh, an intermediary. It disconnects you. Exactly. By, by what you're photographing. And, and then you are, you're really thinking about what you're seeing in that frame, uh, as opposed to being maybe influenced or connected by something, someone you might know or, or a place you are so familiar with. It, it gives you a different perspective. Exactly. And, and right, it's not, it, it doesn't mean better or worse or good or bad, right? It's, a, it's, an, it's just another way of approaching a, a space. And this space being a, a community garden with your children in it, right? It's, exactly. it's a very personal, you're very connected to it. You mentioned that it is a way of experiencing this kind of life. It's a way mm -hmm. of stepping back and into this, this much more natural space, this quiet space. And, you know, the, the community garden, it harkens back to... A, a, a more agricultural society and experience, right? Exactly. It's a way of sort of trying to connect to that, exactly. that world. When you started participating in this community garden, did you know that you would be photographing and making a book? And <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, the series was made in a period of 15 years. Oh, wow. I made most of the pictures in uh, 2012, especially mm -hmm. so during the summertime. But then I forgot this picture. Mm. And I come back to them in 2020 during the COVID lockdown. Oh, okay. And after the lockdown, I continue shooting. But I, um, I was more focused about our garden 
and how we let the nature flow and overgrow. So uh, the project changed a little bit. At the beginning, it was very much focused on uh, summertime, the children spending time in um, this field. And then in 2020, I was really focused on the plant of my own relationship with the vegetable vegetal world with um, how the garden the plot has changed because mm. we let the nature uh, become uh, continue to grow without acting uh, because we are, when you are gardening you have some gesture you have to to take some decision and sure. you have a lot of uh, uh, grass you don't want or invasive plants. And, yes, yes. And so you have to cut them, but... You let it go a little wild? <laughs> yes, yes. Little by little, the plot became wild. And I like <laughs> that because it was a new ecosystem with trees, with new plants there because they like to be there. So watching this spectacle, this show was merveilleous. And mm -hmm. I, I, I was photographing it, but acting less and less as a gardener because I didn't want to shape, to change, to, to change the, uh, this plot. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> acting like the gardener and, and acting like the photographer. <laughs> there is a lot observing. of... Observing. Yes, right. yes, yes. <laughs> I was observing and of course I was uh, gardening less. More photographing, mm -hmm. less gardening. You know, I want to ask you about just one more thing because you mentioned, I think I read it either in your bio or what someone maybe wrote about you is that you were also heavily influenced by cinema. Uh, yes, and, yes. And yes, there were two... You mentioned uh, uh, Ant Antonioni, uh, blow, you know, who did the very famous photographer's movie Blow Up. Yes, um, yes. But also Cassavetes, who I think photographers, uh, certainly my generation, also loved because of Cassavetes' sense of frame and... Exactly. And, mm -hmm. Yes, narrative qualities and all. Yes. Um, the time I started practicing photography as a teenager, I was also discovering the film world. Mm -hmm. And um, I also remember Alice in the Cities by Wim Wenders. Oh, sure. And because of the black and white quality, because of the slow movement of the camera and the importance of the state of things, these elements are still very important for me as a photographer. I spent a lot of time in cinema. I wrote about films just for myself. And uh, Antonioni, Casavetes are very important for me. And also Andrei Tarkovsky. F for me, Tarkovsky or Antonioni, they have very strong sense of poetry in their moving images. And I was uh, literally drawn to how they communicate with the will. Uh, how they communicate reality sure. and the way they film the world is w more important than the storytelling. Mm -hmm. they, there is also um, stillness, even if it is uh, moving pictures. And for me, it is pure poetry. The lyrical documentary is very strong in the movie. And 
the most important things is that they both make palpable the very substance of time. What time is? And for me, as a photographer, uh, that's uh, something with is very important. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What do you have coming up now? What uh, so the the book is out. It's it's uh, been out for a while. It's uh, I know Charcoal Book Club sent it out as their book of the month. Yes. And yes. <laughs> Were you able to experience things like book signings and such? Yes, I experienced that in Paris during Paris Photo. Uh, oh, that's because, right. That's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there is this photo show of uh, the Jardin du Ristal at the same time as the uh, book uh, mm -hmm. lunch. And I have other, pro other projects. So I am in Malta right now. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And uh, so I'm not talking from France, but from Malta. And oh, I'm... you're in Malta right now. Yes, okay. yes, yes. yes. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm working here on a new project. And mm. it's a project which documents the contemporary migratory routes in relation with the travel of the Phoenicians in antiquity. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and so... Uh, it combines different uh, photographic sequences uh, around the notion of refuge and hospitality. And mm. uh, there is different subjects. Uh, I am photographing some caves, some Phoenician remains, also some habitats in Malta. I will go in Tunisia, in Sicilia. Uh, wow. I am making portraits of migrants. Uh, of citizens, Maltese people who are um, taking care of the land. Um, so it's um, mixing, combining several subjects and uh, it will be an exhibition here in Malta next year. So, wow, so yes, a, pretty, yes. <laughs> a pretty quick compressed timeline there. Yes, yes. yes. So uh, <laughs> these years is really a year where I will took a lot of photographs while editing the picture I made last year's in Malta because mm. I came uh, three times last year's. So it's a middle-term project and it's my main personal photo project at the moment. Boy, am I jealous? I I love archaeology, and you're you are you're really you're combining two of my loves, archaeology okay. and photography. Yeah, you you must come in. Uh, you you may perhaps come here in Malta, uh, and okay, you can see you can visit my next photo show and discover the Maltese archaeological site. There is also megalithic temple here. So oh wow. It's a beautiful country. <laughs> well, there's an invitation. Okay. <laughs> Next year in Malta. <laughs> yes, you're, you're more than welcome, Michael. Come, come here. <laughs> uh, that is seri a serious consideration for me right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations and thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Michael. Yes. And thanks again, Nigel. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. everyone. 
Real Photo Show is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton. Music by Matteo Chauvin Dalton. You can find bonus content from the show on our YouTube channel. Just search for Real Photo Show. The podcast can be found on all your favorite podcast players. And please rate the show with all the stars available on your preferred player. 